Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Pay attention, bro. Soho Radio with Hennessy and we started you off with a bit of John Schofield. Uh, Alex, you tell me John is playing in town quite soon? The 18th, I believe it's next Wednesday, Yeah, uh, if, if my brain is correct. John Schofield's going to be doing a solo set. Uh, it's yeah. going to be at the Jazz Caf. I, I would say cafe, you would say caf. And um, I'm going to be there. And if you want to come say hi, you should, because I'll probably be front and center, just kind of drooling over John Schofield's playing. Uh, what did you hear and after that? after that, Omar and QCBA have just released right. a live track of his greatest... <laughs> legendary track there's nothing like this uh quentin collins shout out shout out brandon allen ross stanley james madron on the track as well and finally casa overall right? casa overall featuring eric wyatt and uh what's this nap nappy nina i didn't know her uh, this is a cool track i've you've booked him and you know this band i didn't uh, and i just saw them do a live set at worldwide fm and really interesting band they had theo crocker on trumpet it was mm. really killing set so i thought i'd throw it in the show Okay, so the time has come. Uh, the Hennessy's flowing a little bit, thankfully, and uh, setting up this guest that come that that has just arrived is, is well, it's a friend really, and uh, and I wanted to have him down because I think he's an interesting person. I wanted to have a chat with him for everybody to hear. Uh, I if I were to list all the people he's played with, it would be silly, but just off the top of my head, uh, Supergrass, Primal Scream, Amy Winehouse, uh, Noel Gallagher, Omar. Uh, was it Gregory Porter? If you, if you just type in Jim Hunt into Google, I'm sure there'll be a list of just crazy amounts. Uh, not many pictures of his face, though. He's not a narcissist like that, or he just doesn't know how to work the computer. He's a, he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's he's a friend. He's the the he's a proper Londoner. But we're going to talk about uh, all that. But really, it's an honor to to welcome the mighty, the powerful, the great, the epic, the legendary saxophone player that is Jim Hunt. How are you, sir? Woo! I'm very well out. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, nice to see you. Uh, you're the only person I know that was born h- here. And when I say here, I mean yeah. up the road. Where were, yeah. you, where were you? You were born on Tottenham Court Road? Uh, Tottenham, uh, the old Middlesex Hospital on Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. And uh, we lived on Dean Street at the time. And yeah, so my early years were very much rooted in Soho, you know. And my dad had been here for many years, kind of on, uh, pretty on and off since the 40s, you know. So it, it's 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 kind of home. And what are your memories of Soho growing up? Ah, one of my memories of Soho growing up. Um, well, you know, f- f- what are my memories? I mean, you, you know, Jeff Bernard, F- Francis Bacon, all those people that you think of as the faces yeah. of Soho. They they were they were the people that I was seeing in day in day out when I went yeah. to the pub with my dad. You, 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 you know, and I guess it's like at the time. That's that's just the people you know, but as as time goes on and you go like, wow, okay, that was really 
a window into a time mm. when Soho was really like the the, the preeminent cultural spot in the country you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and we have to um we have to touch on ronnie scott as well because he yeah. you have a connection with ronnie right yeah yeah i, I mean I, I was luckily got to play at ronnie's and know ronnie's when i was pretty young you know he uh he, he obviously knew who i was when i first i think probably with nigel the first mm. you know the normal thing when the first time i went and played in the club and uh, and a couple of times after that, we and I, we luckily me and my Duncan Mackay, fantastic trumpet player, um, and we had a quintet together, and we used to get a regular run, yeah. that, which was amazing. In yeah. those days, it, it was you know when you're thinking about it, it was uh, twelve sets a week, <laughs> you know, you know from Monday to to, to to Saturday. Old timings, um, right? Oh, like nine forty-five. Oh, start. The old timings, yeah. you know, late start, so you yeah. finish at one. The, the, yeah, the yeah, main yeah. act would go on at one. It That's was. It. Fantastic times, you know, and um, and really, R Ronnie really kind of took me under his wing a little bit at that point, and uh, you know, was very lucky to spend quite a lot of time with him and <laughs> share some fun times with him, yeah. you know, uh, uh, in in those last years, yeah. So amazing, yeah. So I mean, because for me, like, obviously, I've seen you play. Uh, I've seen you play with Omar. I've seen you play with uh, Hamish Stewart. Um, and yeah, I've seen you play sax, but I know you more outside of the music, just yeah. kind of hanging out and talking. Um, how did you get... So, why saxophone? Like, what, what, Why saxophone? Purely my father, really. You, you know, you, you know in, in, in that I was always into music, but I was a, a hopeless student. You know, I, I was never... You know, I had, I had no application as a youngster. You know, I tried piano and, you know, and sort of like, you know, <laughs> and flunked it, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But, Still wanted to do music, and um, I remember I must have been fourteen, and I at the time I was hugely into the Clash, and my hero was Paul Cinnamon, who I thought was the coolest looking guy on the planet, circa late seventies, early eighties, and that's what I wanted to be. And uh, I remember saying to my dad, "I want to play the bass. Can can I have a bass?" And he was like, "No," <laughs> he said, "You can't. This time you're going to play an instrument I want you to play." And he came home the next day with a tenor saxophone. Stuck it on the kitchen table and was like, there "Figure you it out, figure it out." Go where, to, where you know, and and uh, that's how it started. It was like I was railroaded into it. Right? <laughs> did your dad? Has your dad? Did you get dad get to see much play? Is he, is he still about? Yeah, or? no. He, I mean, he died away. He died thirteen years ago. Yes, he got to saw me play at Ronnie's. He got to see you know the 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 end point. I mean, you know, the point that I was fourteen by the age of twenty one, I was playing at Ronnie's. You know what I mean? So it was quite a quick kind of thing so yeah he, he you know he was obviously a bit that, i mean that can only happen in jazz right like that is that is that the the world of you know in jazz there's a lot of improvisation and yeah. playing with each other surely on the saxophone you can't just all of a sudden be in you know beyonce's band like that you know no no i, mean, I guess not of course not but but you can uh I, th I think people have that have the instrument that's right for them and sometimes you know it's like it's like I'm totally, yeah. As a musician, you have to be honest with yourself. It's like I, I, I probably want. I really, I love piano players. I'd love to be a piano player, but I don't have the training or the coordination to do it at the level that I want to do. And that's an honest thing, you know. And it's like it's kind of too late. By the time you're 14, you're not going to be a virtuoso piano player, but you kind of can take up something like the saxophone and Why? push it, push it through to a point. Well. Because, uh, well, it's purely purely mechanical. It's easier, 
you know? So you can have the ears, you know you want to play, but I mean, it's like, and it's easier to get to that point on a saxophone than many other instruments, I would say. Modest man. No, no. I think most saxophone players would tell you it's, it's a mountain to climb that only they could do. Yeah, you just got to have a good sound, man, and have some time. It's like any other music, you know. And when your dad plonked the tenor sax yeah. in front of you, who, who were your big sax guys that you were going to? No, no, none. I had none. I had yeah, no point right. of reference, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 at the time, so you went, then, uh, went back and, and dug well, in? Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of a plot in the, in the tracks that I, I, I gave you. Yeah, and it was literally uh, like a, a week in to... Um, playing the saxophone I'd be, I'd, you know the, the closest I got was probably being into the, I like the Rolling Stones a bit you know at that point so I'd <clears> sort of play along to the Stones a bit and it was like, see, it soon became apparent it's like you know that I need, I need something else you know and I went down to my dad's record collection and I remember it was a Sunday morning and uh, I, I went to his record collection pulled out an album it was a Charlie Parker record and I just put it on you know started listening and that was the light bulb that was moment. the moment yeah. yeah and you just go like what what's going yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. something that I, yeah. I, I, I i actually want to do that yeah and that was it and it was done and i remember my dad coming home coming down the stairs bleary-eyed sort of like and he was he wasn't exactly the most emotive kind of guy but he just came up to me and hugged me because he'd yeah. been he'd been sat upstairs mm. and he heard me listen, listen to these charlie parker records and, wow. he, and he was like eureka he's got it my job here is done yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thing, yeah. Great. And from well, that and that um, from that point did you go then go back sort of into other records did you go into the, the sort of jazz canon yeah, or i was very lucky my dad had a decent record collection yes yeah. yes so, so yeah. at that point it kind of it, it, yeah. it was uh, yeah you yeah. know from from louis armstrong through to he, he kind of stopped about late miles records sort of mm. 67 68 right it got a bit beyond him but, but See, from, I, from from kind of like 28 to 68 yeah. I, I it was covered you know <laughs> not to go too deep on this but i actually think may you know not to be all nostalgic like now if that were to happen now you, your dad would have just pulled up any streaming service or gone online and be like, yeah. look, this is all the horn players from the beginning yeah. of time into 2022. Yeah. And look at all this, all this, all this, all this. But just hearing you say, oh, yeah, my dad kind of, his record collection stops here. That means you had to go deep on those records and listen to those records heavily and try to play that stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, there was a certain kind of, uh, as I said, there was a 20-year span, of, of uh, 20, 30-year span of his, of his collection and it was limited and... So yeah, you 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 found a record you liked, you, you tanned it. You know what I mean? It was like uh, uh, to, to death. And I I do think there's a problem with overexposure yeah. to music. I mean, how do you find your, your yourself? You know what I mean? When, uh, in a way, I think the classic example is um, Miles Davis and um, Clark Terry, who were contemporaries growing up in St. Louis, uh, in the St. Louis, shall I say, in in the in the uh, <laughs> In the in the in the in the in the thirties and forties, and they used and and the only access to music they had was one radio show a week that was live from Minton's or something like that, from uh, um, live from Minton's Playhouse, and there would be this two-hour thing, and both of them would listen to the music for that thing, and then they'd take what they could out of it, practice for a week, do you know what I mean, go away, and that would be their thing. And obviously, they're in separation; they obviously took different things, even that. But my God, you, you know, two incredibly strong stylists. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the voice is so strong, and it and it comes out of growing in isolation a little bit. So I think I think there is a difficulty with the with, with the, the 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 amount of information we can have all the time. Is like yeah. how do you isolate and create your own sound that is directly influenced? You can say, okay, I come from that. 
mm. that's my route and then yeah obviously yeah. and move out from there and then the, the beautiful voyager discovery that used to be buying records mm. And, mm. and all that kind of thing it's kind of gone yeah so it's it's a Shall we um, shall we play the Clash and the Charlie Parker tune that we just yeah they kind of because they do kind of funny enough go but this was you know from one to the other that was my that was this was nineteen eighty five <laughs> the change that happened. We're back. So from the Clash to to Charlie Parker, yeah. Um, I guess it's quite telling for you because y- you've played in so many different musical situations. I, I suppose I don't know. Like I-, I think when I listen to radio, one of the things I like about this station, and one of the things that I think is good. A, a few minutes ago, we were talking about how we liked how you- your dad's record collection stops at a certain time, and now there's too much information. I think on the other side of that. Um, I, th- I don't think anybody would would blink if they knew that you listen to punk music and jazz music and dubstep and hip hop. So I think one of the upsides of exposure um, yeah. is people's tastes are, are, are quite broadened. I wonder. I'm, I'm trying to form this into a question because I want to start talking about tour stories because I'm sure you've got <laughs> amazing tour stories. Oh yeah, well, yeah if I can um, remember them. What is, is there any like? Like what? What's some of the common threads? Hey, see what I did there. Mm. Within some of these genres that have nothing to do with each other on the surface, you know, like. Well, I, look, look, funny enough, this is going to lead us into the next track that I gave you, um, which is the Primal Screen track that I, that I selected. I mean, I um, is that already you. You know, the certain people are when I joined. I remember I, I played with Primal Scream. The first time I met him was in a. In the old Acid Jazz Studios in Denmark Street, they were doing a, a cover for a, an Acid Jazz compilation of um, Small Faces tunes. And PB Arnold, we did it. Uh, they uh, was doing a track with the Primals, and they needed a horn section. I'd been in there the day before doing a session with Simon Bartholi from the Heavies for his solo thing, and they got a call while we were in the studio saying, "Primal Screamer in here tomorrow. They need a horn section. Can you guys do it?" You know, and little do you know that that call is going to shape the next 10, 15 years of your life. But it did, you know, and I, I, I met Andrew and Bobby the next day and we went and we did the session, which went well. And um, a couple of days later, we all went out and had a drink that night. You know, whatever, a couple of days later, I got a call, like, that, you know, we're, we've got, we're working on a new record. Do you want to come in the studio? Blah, blah, blah. Of course, going leads to that. You know, two months later, we're three, three months later, we're touring the album. Do you want to come on the road, you know? Yep, I'm 23. Do you know what I mean? It's like, where are we going? Japan. Yep, I'm in. Etc. Etc. But I, I, I will never forget. I think the first day we were on a tour bus with Bob and we started talking about music, and it was like, and we'd be playing stuff. And I think, I, I think it was Duncan, the trumpet player, put um, put um, Milestones on by Miles Davis, and when Cannibal Adderley's solo comes in, Bobby. Started singing the solo note for note, and we were just like, "Hang on, what's going on there?" And then, and then he'd start talking about his influences and the punk things. And I remember that the Clash track that we played, and he was played working for the Clampdown, and I sang it back to him note for note. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, okay, so there's, do you know what I mean? You're you're the the indie rock 
dance dudes and we're I'm the hardcore jazzers. But then I realised that, man, you know, most musicians just because they play a certain thing doesn't mean that they only listen to a certain thing mm -hmm. or they only appreciate a certain thing. And it was a really inspirational thing working with the Primals in those days, you know, because they were totally open to, that, you know, they loved Coltrane, they loved Pharaoh Sanders, mm. they loved Alice Coltrane, you know, that, that late 60s kind of, you, you know. I find them a fascinating, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Primal Scream. I yeah. find them a fascinating band to this day. Just, I, I still can't really categorise them. I mean, I know no. it's easiest to say they're rock and roll, but the Exterminator album, which the track yeah. you chose is off that album, that is punk rock. It's got sort of elements of hip-hop and, and soul yeah. and gospel and all over the shop and then you go to Screamadelica which is the big yeah. 30th anniversary this year and that's a dance record obviously yeah. and the weather all you know and all yeah. that and, and every record is just so different but it's all glued together by yeah it's quite a remarkable thing in a way yeah. that, that, that they've got because they are they they sit comfortably in all those camps yeah. that's the yeah, strange yeah, thing yeah. So it's like, you see, when they put their foot over there it doesn't feel like uh, yeah. you know it's, it's a bit eggy that you're trying to sort of like tread on someone else it just goes it's naturally just absorbed it's like yeah. you know because they know it they don't they don't they don't go somewhere unless they appreciate it and they know mm. where they're coming from i mean bobby is probably like man he should be like curator of the british library or something he has such an encyclopedic he'd be a great meltdown knowledge. festival uh, curator, oh, oh, wouldn't he? Man, he'd make the author yeah yeah he, they must he, have he, asked him yeah i'm sure i'm yeah. sure they have but but it, it, you know that that kind of real real deep knowledge you, 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 you know it's kind of kind of frightening sometimes yeah. honestly, you know. <laughs> what do you think there's there's a young artist called jelly cleaver who, who i'm friends with and she talks about how like her two favorite things are like the DIY punk scenes mm. and then like jazz, like jazz, yeah. jazz. Like yeah, she yeah. studied jazz and that's what she loves. And, yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if you like having a bit of experience playing in both situations. Yeah. Um, the fact that you know Joe Strummer is awesome. He's a freaking hero. Rest in peace. But like having been in, in, in both scenes. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's all right. It's, it's all right. Ha having been in both scenes, what do you think? Why do you think? Because it's not just, oh, this sounds good. I like it. Or maybe it is. Uh, what do you think it is that draws them to each other to listen to each it's other? Expressionism, I would say, like in like an artistic sense, you say expressionism. It's not. It's like, it's like you know, kind of the, the the primal scream. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of letting out what's inside. Do you know what I mean? And 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 not, and not trying. I, th I think, and it, there's a huge crossover, like between certainly when you get to say, you, you know, Lake Coltrane or something like that, and and the sound of guitars yeah. not in being not in control. There's a kind of primal element of discordant joy. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. can be found in, in 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 both those things. And so, so it's not everything. I mean, it's, it's a Venn diagram of music, isn't it? So it's like you know those guys. You know, they they're probably not going to like the modern jazz quartet or some of the more mannered stylings of jazz. Do you know what I mean? But the guys that are just sort of getting it all out and just getting rid of their feelings that 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 appeals immensely and it's in it to, to people that are you know yep. love the noise of a guitar and you know expressionism expressionism yeah, i think yeah. is is would would be the the, the 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 term that i'd be looking for and so primal scream obviously you know a highlight to work with those guys as a session musician what are what are other sort of standout moments of collaborations that you've had well, I mean, some of the collaborations you get more involved with. Those, there's great things for me. What would I say? Tony Allen, play, getting to play with Tony wow. Allen, try, try, being wow. being fellow cootie for a day, 
you know, <laughs> you know and, and rehearsing with them and actually, you know, feeling a little bit, that's, that was like, oh, shit. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do not play like that. And I haven't, mm. do you know what I mean? And going in and sort of doing what you do at rehearsal and thinking, oh, God, I just, you know, I'm too jazzed for this. You know, I'm not rough enough. And then that night, going out for a drink with Tony. Was it here in London? Yes, it was here in London. And, and then going, going out to uh, Dimitri's down in the, the studios in Labrick Grove. Dimitri's, the incredible pub in Labrick Grove with the one and only... Greek anarchist <laughs> Dimitri <laughs> but going over there and and getting drunk under the table by Tony Allen when he's like in his 70s and literally getting drunk under the table by him and him just going like I don't want you to be fella man you know what I mean be yourself just bring you bring bring what you bring to the party you know what I mean I was like don't even go there don't don't get hung up on it you know those kind of moments of like uh, that that was a, a good one for me um that I won't forget. I mean, there's been, it's very hard because there's yeah. so many, do you know what I mean? Supergrass. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Omar. You know, these relationships that go on for a long time and they become a little bit, you know, you start to care about them a little bit. You know, it, and, the, and I guess you wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the, the ill-advised nature of maybe going into a band and staying with the same musicians throughout your entire career. The, you know, the beauty of being a session musician is mm. you dip in and out and you have those different experiences yeah. and you've, it's been, it's been such a wide, I mean, um, yeah, uh, canvas. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it challenges you sort of artistically and creatively as well. I mean, it's not, you're not just some, sometimes you're there just playing the dots and, doing what you have to do and doffing your cap and getting out of the way. But other times, you know, often in the studio, you'll get, you'll get called to do something and, uh, you know, it might be slightly outside of your frame of reference, but you have to come up with a reference. And often the thing is, is they don't know what they want and you have to work out yeah. what they want. Yeah. And that's where some of the skill comes in. You know what I mean? Cause you're going in you're, they're going like, oh, we need this. And they'll explain something. And you'll go, no, actually what you want is this, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, and that's part of the thing is like, okay, this is the sound you're looking for. You actually want 70s Bowie. So you're looking for Sanborn on Alto or something <laughs> like that, you know, do you know what I mean? And, and working that out and give them what, what, what they want. And, uh, you, you know, and, and there's definitely a sense of satisfaction of getting that right and sort of and seeing them go, yes, that's it. That's, yeah. the, that's the shit. And you're going like, okay, it was just, it was pretty easy really. Do you know what I mean? I just like to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I just had to, Get my ducks in a row. Uh, yes, I'm available next week. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm looking at the clock. We've been talking about Primal Scream a lot, so I think okay. we should play the tune. Okay. Uh, and then we'll, we'll have... I, I could ramble to you all day. So okay. let's play... What's this track? Uh, do, you, do you play on this track? I do play on this track. This is kind of like a, a remix by Kevin Shields of uh, from My Bloody Valentine, who I'd like to talk about Kevin because he... He was in the band at the time, He was in he? the band at the yeah. time, yeah. And, and, you know, it was one of those times in my career that wow, what a band that was. You know, it really was. It was kind of, you know, great jazz musicians, Kevin Shields, great rock and roll players, creating this sort of sound, this free jazz rock and roll madness. There was nothing else like it. And I, I think this is probably the closest representation to, to, to how, what, you feel to, to how you we play. felt. Well, how we felt on stage, you know, when we were in, the, in, the, in the, you know, sort of late 90s, early, two, early noise. Here we go. I 
I just wanted to say, sometimes there's a comedian I listen to every once in a while. Nick, you turned me on to him, Bill Burr, and he talks about how, like, when he plays drums, sometimes he just like imagines he he's in that band or whatever. That's that's my shit, bro. <laughs> like, like, like that would be fun on guitar, wouldn't it? You just yeah. like washing, pedals. just yeah, yeah, just vibe, just sit there and uh, yeah, such a vibe that track and that yeah. band. It must have been such a joy to be. It was it was it was a special time, yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to uh, before we go into the next bit of influence and in music, I wanted to when I think about a session musician like yourself who's played in countless bands, uh, I, I'm a bit of a drifter at heart i like mm. i like traveling mm. I, I like being in a car or on a plane or mm. in a train and, and and going so i'm sure there's amazing tour stories um <laughs> and that could take hours but i just i you told me a long time ago and i kind of forget it as i come from the united states i want to talk about how you got banned from the united states oh my my how did i get <laughs> the short from the, the, sh- yeah, the short so- version i think it's pretty easy to get banned well, from the I, d- states, I think but- it is I, th- I, th- I think it is yeah uh, uh it, it, it was um well, but basically, it was a pretty simple thing. I, w- I was on tour of all of all people. Do you know the Mavericks? I know the Mavericks. I know they're, they're, they're kind of an old country thing from America. I just want to dance so the night away. So how the hell does Jim Hunt get the call to be in that band? Oh, I, I don't know. The, the, through someone else, via someone else. Actually, through Mike Smith, who is Damon Albarn's right hand man and who got me the gig with um tony allen that we were talking about so it was another one he'd done a gig with them they were looking for a horn section over here we did it they loved us they were said you got to come and tour in the states with us and you know why why the hell not tour the deep south with a, an american country band that's good it sounds like fun you know <laughs> uh, and 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 it was a lot of fun and we went and had a lot of fun and we came back, and a week later, they said, the band sounds so great, we want to um, record a record uh, in Austin, which they were, where they were based, like a, do like a live DVD thing. So it's like, okay, so we're going to fly you back over next week. I had given my passport over to the Japanese embassy, with the one with my American visa. I'd handed over to the, part of the Japanese you know, uh, uh, embassy to get a Japanese visa. And I had a second passport, so when this call came in, I was like, okay, the only problem is my American visa is in my other passport. And the American management company were like, no problem. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you're, it's a business trip. You're not, you're, you can come in under waiver. You're not getting paid over here. You're getting paid. You'll get paid by a UK record company who they're signed to in the UK. So you're in the clear. So just, you say you're coming in for a, for a business event done. And I'm like, you sure? And they're like, yeah, 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 absolutely. hundred percent sure. Yeah, God, I, 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 and kind of like that. Th- 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 this was in this was in it must have been two thousand and four, two thousand and three, something like something like that. And uh, so anyway, um, the three of us fly in, and it was uh, the, the horn section, and, and Nick, or my friend, was in the seat next to us, and of course he had the visa for working with his band, so he goes through immigration before me, shows his visa. I go in and say, like, I'm going in under waiver. And they're just like, okay, well, you've got an instrument with you. Anyway, so we got to, you know, they pulled us in, as they do. So, so why, why are you coming here? And I said, well, I'm here to do a gig. And they're like, okay, is that you getting paid? And I was like, no, 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 we're not getting paid, you know. And um, they found out from some other members of the thing we were getting paid. And they said, You're, you, you've just lied to a federal agent. And I'm like, um, well, 
it's kind of because what the management said that I'm not getting paid, I'm getting paid over there. And can I call the management? I was in Minneapolis. It's like, God knows what, you know, it was kind of six in the morning in New York, you know, just calling the management for nothing, you know, dead, dead um, deadlines. And, uh, and then it follows up from that. Okay, man, you're, you're going home. And I was like, but I've got a visa. I've got a valid visa for, 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 for the band that I'm working with in the, in the United States. And I get on the computer and I go, yep. You're right, you have a valid visa and you're completely legal to work in the United States, but you lie to a federal agent. So you'd have been better, I remember the exact words, you said, you'd have been better off if you had a kilo of cocaine stuffed up your ass. <laughs> that, was, they were, <laughs> that was the exact words. Cause, uh, brick, well, cause, yeah, this because there's a statute of limitations on drug offences in, in New York and there isn't on um, on misrepresentation of federal agents there's no statute so your life looks like you're never coming back to this country you're like whoa whoa so whoa, do whoa. You have, but how many times have you been back to the States I've since been then? back a few times since then yeah. so what's it, what, how do you, what do you have to do to get back I have to go and suffer the indignity of going to the American embassy and them calling me a liar why should we let you in? Because you're a liar. I mean, that's that's how it starts generally. You know, so this still it? hasn't been resolved. No, no, no. It's life. It's that it, can, it cannot be resolved in my lifetime. So if I, as you... I said, if I was a drug trafficker, after ten years at the end of the sentence, I could go back in. But for lying from um, and I was completely yeah, legal. They could put you on every list. For yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so this is like you know whatever you know. So I, how did you go back with Amy? You had to go to the. I well, there, there was uh, I was ref I, I, it, it, for years it was a pain in the ass because it takes a time. They could, they can't issue any waiver of inadmissibility in the UK, so I have to it has to go back to America. So it takes time. So normally they say give you it'll take six weeks. You know, so if I'm touring with a band, I say look. By the way, I have an issue in America if you want me to get a visa I'm a felon yeah I'm a felon you, you, need, you need to give me they'll need plenty of notice you know and they and, and they'll play hard but it normally takes you know six weeks or so and uh, I remember when Amy won the uh, all the Grammys or whatever in uh, 2009 whenever it was um, and uh, all of a sudden it was like they were like right we're going to LA next week and I'm like no dude there's no way I'm going to LA next week this is not happening there. And, and they said trust me just go down and, uh, you know, I went down to the uh, to the embassy, told them the shtick, I'm going to be playing at the Grammys next week, but I have this going on. And they were saying, don't worry, sir, we can expedite this. You know, and it was just like, like, like and instantly it was like, okay. When it was like, you know, when there's big money involved and yeah. like, the thing, it was yeah. done. And I got my visa like that. We never went because actually she didn't get her visa and we had to do the show over here. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, that was what happened. So we uh, down at um, uh, Riverside Studios in Hammersmith. Oh, it was we a live ended up, That's wasn't it? right, that. yeah, yeah. So we ended live up doing link. like a kind of a yeah. live link thing from the UK. But, uh, you know. Wow. I, don't, I think we so, should. So, yeah. The but, joys of the American immigration system. <laughs> they never get on the wrong side of it, trust uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm from a place oh, good, a good. few hours' drive from the, from the border, so mm -hmm. I, I kind of know some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be criminal not to touch on Amy. I mean, we can't touch on all the the amazing acts you've, you've played with. But I just wonder, because um, for me, you know, when Amy broke, I was still living stateside. And I remember everybody going crazy for the record and putting it on and being like, oh, wow, there's something going on here. Um, while, the, while the music that was being created and the sound wasn't necessarily like, oh my gosh, this is 2009 and this we've never heard this before. I mean, the artist, when, when Amy arrived, it, it, it arrived. Mm. Um worldwide success and recognition and amazing tunes i wonder of just touring with amy or playing with amy was was there an epiphany or or not even just specific to amy when you play with an act that has that much appeal 
Is there, is there a moment where you realize as you're playing it, like, wow, wow, this is this is special? I already knew Amy was special before I started playing with her. That's the, that's the, that would be the truth. You know what I mean? It was uh, it, I'd, I'd, she'd been on my radar since she was you know twenty. I remember, I remember from she used she was she used to come and see Omar gigs at the Jazz Cafe when yeah. she was you know that kind of you know and so she'd always been part of the, the furniture almost. You know she'd be hanging about and so when her first record came out which I didn't play on, but I, I heard it, I listened to it, and it was like, you know, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's something going on there. And, and and I just, you know, I had I remember having one of those thoughts, is like, I'm going to end up playing with Amy. I just, I know I am, I can just feel it. Because you're brain. both around in the same... Well, yeah, yeah, and it just felt like, you know, I'm, it was just like, that's it. And, and and I remember leaving her album on the on this kind of the side of my thing not, not not deliberately but it was just kind of one of those things you know you leave something somewhere. i was living on my own at the time you know things can stay in the same place for a long time when you get one <laughs> so, so, so it'd been in the same place for a long long time and uh, and and then um uh dale who's uh you probably all know is was amy's md you know an old friend had called me a couple of times because they'd been struggling to hold the tenor chair down for one reason or another and saying um you know, um, do you want to come and join the band, basically? Do you, do you, do you know? and, I, and I was like, I can't. I was always on tour with Ashcroft or whoever I was doing at the time, you know. And then uh, one day, me and a friend decided to go for breakfast. Uh, for some reason, you know, where I live, we went down to Shepherd's Bush. I've never been for breakfast in Shepherd's Bush in my life, ever, you know. And we decided to go down there for a change of scenery. We went into this cafe. Five minutes later, Dale walks in and he's just like, all right, Jim. I'm like, Dad, what the hell are you doing here? He goes, oh, just had a cancelled show at um, the Shepherds Bush Empire last night and I was in, you know, staying in the K-West. And so I was like, okay, right. right. And, and he just goes, look, can you do the band? <laughs> like that. And I was just like, you know what? I finished my tour last night. Yes, I can. You know, wow. like, like, like that. And then, uh, yeah. And it was literally kind of that. I mean, in a, in a off-the-cuff wow. moment in, in a cafe in Shepherds Bush. Jumping in the MD. Another like, serendipitous moment. Yeah. It's, it's all sort of sliding doors kind of. Territory, absolutely, absolutely. As a session musician, it inevitably is, you know, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. Wow. I guess yeah, that's the, part of, that must be part of the, the adrenaline because, because the, you know, she's a legendary artist, but like some of those songs are legendary and, and some of those gigs are legendary. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I wonder, I mean, it, it must be part of the, the adrenaline, right? Just like not knowing what's what's coming um yeah yeah it it it, it is you know you, you know I, I like like every session musician it's like i've probably part of me wishes that i could have been more focused on say one thing and you know develop my own thing more another side absolutely loves all the experiences and all the people and all the places and all the things that i've had a a little sort of inside view of because you do as a musician you you get straight into the the inner sanctum with an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a thing. You bypass all the the shit, and you're kind of sharing the stage with them. I bet you might get a few that are like, no eye contact, don't deal with me. But the majority of the time, you're welcomed into a thing, and and that's fantastic. I, mean, I love that side of it. You, you, you know, getting to play with so many fantastic artists and musicians, and trying to understand and trying to give your best for them as well. You know, and then getting the appreciation back. It's all it's all a good positive feedback loop you know well we don't have too much time no. but um but jim uh what what can uh, can people look forward to from you in the you know in the near future 
Well, um, come and see me with Supergrass <laughs> the, really? uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, in April, wherever we are. And um, is that Ali you know, pa- is that, I want to say Ali Pan. No, no, we're, no. We're, we're, it's it's um, uh, the, 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 where we play, uh, Brixton Academy. Brixton, play, you know, right. yeah, yeah, uh, which I I'll haven't played them for a long time. Yeah, and don't try to find Jim on the internet. He's useless. No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I, you won't find me. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I'm on All Music Guide and sort of I look up there yeah. occasionally and go. Oh, I did that. Today, <laughs> no, I forgot about that. Well, you know, yeah, that's about it. You know. But impending music coming out because we were having a look, a look at your um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the all music um, mm. uh-huh. ses- sessions yeah, that you yeah. were on into even even during the pandemic. Yeah, pretty extensive list. Yeah, stuff, stuff we can hear you on coming up. Um, I think everything's out right now. I was going to say the last thing was probably the the Gregory, last Gregory Porter album, which yeah. Troy was obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, producing and Troy uh, yeah Troy Miller um again who you know who was part of the Amy setup as well moving yeah. on and uh, etc he was doing that so I think that was the, the I, 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 something you know sometimes I do forget I must admit about what, <laughs> what, what, what I've done you get a text message <laughs> yeah. or a phone call and you turn up with your yeah, yeah, well that's kind of it yeah 